Welcome to Cordova Church in the Nazarene. We're so glad that you are with us today. Um, we just we hope that as you've as you've kind of gathered online here, that you would make an effort to reach out and connect in some way. Um, we do still have connection cards available, newsletter signups. All of that is on the website cordovanaz.com. If you want to go over there, and there's buttons right along the top that will kind of just let you reach out and and help us know uh, who's out there. And if uh, if you do so, we may even have a, a gift for you. So um, it would be great to hear from you. Would you uh, listen to our opening psalm this morning from Psalm 150? All right. Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praising him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And holy, holy, Sunday, uh, the Sunday after Pentecost, and so we are 
blessed in both our singing um, and everything that we do today to keep our eyes and our hearts fixed um, on the God who is uh, three in one and one in three. Would you hear our scripture readings this morning? Genesis 1, verses 1 through 2, verse 3. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that this was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be light in the expanse of heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be light in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every kind, every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. 
And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold. I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given you every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens of the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray together? Lord our God, we come to you grateful this morning that you have revealed your character of love in making and informing all things, fashioning them, Lord, in such a way that they are rhythmed and ordered day after day to reveal your goodness and your faithfulness. That all of creation has come from you exists through you, and ultimately moves back to you. Lord, we give you thanks this morning that you as Father sent the Son for our sake. And by their spirit of holiness, you are making all things new upon the earth. We celebrate, Lord, this morning the gift of life that you have given us. All the joy, all the hope all the laughter, all the wonder, all the surprise that we have experienced. We pray, Lord, that you might give us and grant to us the faith to know you as the one whom Christ calls Father, to be friends, to be disciples, to be co-heirs with Jesus, his Son, and to be enriched in speech and knowledge and understanding and empowered to do your work upon the earth by your Spirit. Allow us, Lord, to go forth into the world as your disciples making disciples for your glory. And as we continue in this time, in this gift, in this moment, this privilege of worship, would you allow us to have our hearts lifted, our minds raised to you, our ears and our eyes open to your wonder around us, present in your word and in your people, to hear the gospel proclaimed into our lives in the way that you are proclaiming it through us into others. Lord, while we know that so many ways we are humble, 
We are less than the people that you have created and informed, formed us to be. So we come before you this morning, Lord, confessing our weaknesses only so that you might turn them to be more than your sufficiency and your strength and your hope. Receive us in faith. Draw us, Lord, up into the eternal life that you offer us here at your table. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who we know lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Spirit as one God forever and ever. Amen. We'll get a reading from 2 Corinthians 13, starting on verse 11 through 14. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God's word. Today is Trinity Sunday. It's the day when... The church marks out time to remember, to focus on, to sort of stare at and gaze at a really difficult topic um, that so often we want to just kind of avoid and ignore. Um, not because it's wrong, but because it's just tough. It's mysterious. We don't want to talk about the Trinity so often. We know that God in both God's threeness and God's oneness is, is possible to speak about, but, but it's difficult to do that. It's difficult to find exactly the right words. And so what we often do in the church is we just kind of say, the church has given us language, they've given us the right words, um, and oftentimes we have to avoid the temptation to create our own words. Instead, we learn what we should say and shouldn't say, move forward from there. We've been talking a lot about language lately. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Cody talked about the way Jesus used language in his prayer in John 17, showing us what words are for and how they ought to be used rightly. And then we moved into Pentecost Sunday where what had divided people, the sort of Babel world, uh, the, the world where language and the difference in language had been a division between people, the Spirit overcomes that by being poured out on the church and lifting the church, in a sense, above those divisions, embracing and enabling unity through the gift of tongues. The Trinity is one of those things that exceeds words. It evades words, and yet it still requires them. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but there's a lot in our life that is, is difficult to actually communicate, and yet... We can't stop communicating about it. I look at my family, I look at Indra and, and my kids, and I say the words, I love you. And it could mean a million different things. It does mean a million different things. When I'm talking to my son, when he's scared at night and doesn't want to stay in bed, I love you means something like, if you stay in this room, you're going to be okay. <laughs> I promise you that I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you are safe in this place and nothing is going to be able to get to you unless it goes through me. And to quote Mufasa, nobody messes with your dad. When I say it to my one-year-old, I'm not really sure what she thinks I'm saying. But I think she likes probably the look on my face when I say it. And so I love you has this sense of 
safety and wholeness. And over time, as she begins to put words and meanings together, I'm pretty sure she's going to be able to connect those to something that is important for her. When I say it to Indra, it could mean any number of things. It might mean that even though I'm leaving for the day, I'm still going to be thinking about you throughout the day as I walk out the door. Those words, I love you, may mean after a fight, I don't know why you married an idiot like me. They might mean, even though this is hard, we're going to get through it together. But I'm committed to making sure that this works because there's nothing more important in my life. Sometimes when we say, I love you, we're saying a lot more. There have been times in my life where I've even used those words wrongly. I've used them not to actually express something on my side, but to try to elicit something from the person. So I would say the words, I love you, but what I really meant was, you love me, right? I would say the words, I love you, but I meant, you're okay with me, right? I'm okay. You're affirming me, right? And I used those words out of my own fear or insecurity to try to trap somebody to telling me what I wanted to hear, what I thought I needed to hear. And confession of the three-in-one God is not so different. It forces us to confess and pray and sing and preach that God is Father and Son and Holy Spirit to, to hold up this mystery. And we can be tempted to make it mean many different things. We can be tempted to, to make it mean something that is so full of richness that as we confess these words, as we sing holy, 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 as, as these words come off of our tongues, it means more than we could ever imagine. But we can also take these words and use them to try to contain God, to force God into something that we should not do. And so I want to encourage you today that as we confess that God is three in one and one in three, that we don't let go of the mystery. We don't use that confession to try to turn God into something that we control, but rather we allow that confession to lift us up into something that is beyond us. Like the words, I love you, the confession that God is three persons, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that each of those three persons is not to be confounded or confused with the other. And yet each of those three persons is still fully with, is still fully the substance of God. That confession is totally foundational to who we are as Christians. It, in a sense, makes us Christians. There is no Christianity without that confession. Without it, you don't have the creation narrative that was read for us today in which God the Father speaks the word of creation, speaks the Son, and, and through the Son speaks all of creation into existence with the Spirit itself hovering over the face of the deep. Without the Trinity, you don't have a word like John 3, 16. For God the Father so loved the world that He sent His only Son. 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, the threeness of God is, is essential to the very story of Christianity. To confess that God is both creator and redeemer and sustainer. It's totally foundational. And yet, it's also the highest thing. So it is kind of this base layer of what we confess, but it, it is also the thing to which we reach. It's, it's something that we have our, our minds and our hearts and our hands turned toward that we're often not able to reach. Kids, if you ever want to frustrate your parents, okay, here's a tip. The next time they say, I love you, look at them with deep, affection in your eyes. Maybe even if you can, get a couple tears welling up and just show them the deep pools of emotion and, and just whisper this one word. Why? Why do you love me? You say it. Tell me why. The thing is that that's, that's not an answerable question. If somebody asks me why I love those closest to me, I don't really have an answer for them. I, I love them because that's what I'm built to do. I love them because that's what I'm made to do. If they were slightly different, would I love them any less? No, I don't think so. But to answer the question, why, is, is almost impossible, even though those words, I love you, are so basic to who I am. I love you because I'm participating in a love that's bigger than me. I just do. Now be quiet and go to bed, right? These things that are most important are at once kind of at the bottom of who we are and also the highest reaches of who we are. And so we confess, I believe in God. I believe that there is only one God, but that that God is known in three persons, Father and Son and Spirit. One saint in an imperfect way to try to describe and get at the relationship between the three, described the Father as the lover, the Son as the beloved, and the Spirit as the love which flows in between them. To put it in the language of the words we've been using, the Father is the word I, the Son is the word you, and the Spirit would be the love that flows between them. This is not a perfect statement, but it's worth sitting with and pondering. This doesn't exhaust the mystery of God's threeness and oneness, but it's worth allowing it to penetrate more deeply into our hearts. Especially when we realize that in this imperfect analogy, God has given us the words of love to speak to one another, to speak to the world, and to speak in worshipful response to him. Would you hear the gospel reading with me this morning? Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
spirit speaks it moves in me and i awaken to your love you're drawing me onto my knees and i'm astounded by your love because you spoke life into my lungs you are the air i breathe you are the air i breathe still you move inside of me you are the song i sing you are the song i sing you cover me with arms that reach and i'm amazed by your sweet grace you set me free you wash me clean and i'm forgiven by your grace because you spoke life to my lungs you are the air i breathe you are the air i breathe of me you are the song I sing you are the song I song I sing. I want to shout it out. Lord, I am listening to every word you speak. I'll go where you will lead to love the least of these, my greatest offering. With every breath I breathe, with every song I sing, I want to shout it out. Lord, I am listening to every word you speak. I'll go where you will lead to love the least of these.
one thing worth remembering about the Trinity is that it's participatory. To know the God who is three persons and one substance, who is neither confounded nor divided, to know the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but still are one in glory and equal in majesty, co-eternal. We can only know this God by coming into God's presence through worship. It isn't like we're sitting in a garage and we're looking at a car engine trying to figure out how this dead thing works, this inanimate, not alive thing works. And if we can only understand all the internal mechanisms, then we can describe it. No, that's not who God is. We are peering as we look into God, into our own mystery. We are looking into the greater mystery that contains and encapsulates our own. So I look at God not only to try to describe him, but I experience his love. Like I'm laying out in the light of the sun, feeling the warmth, soaking up what I can. But I also live by his love, and so I don't, I don't just experience his love, but I become a vessel of it to the world. So in that sense, I'm like a pitcher of water underneath a faucet being filled and filled and filled almost to overflowing. Like we said before, in that imperfect analogy, and what else do we have but imperfect analogies, the Spirit is the love that flows back and forth between the Father and the Son. It proceeds from them, and they are both able to receive it and pour it out into the church, pour it out into the work of creation and the work of salvation. Like a pitcher that is, in fact, overflowing its top, God's love flows into the world in concern for our neighbor, for our families, for those in other parts and in other times of the world. We see this in Jesus' command to his disciples in the Great Commission. Why should the disciples, and by extension, because remember, what is the church? The church is the apostolic community. And so here is Jesus speaking to those 12 apostles. And as he speaks to those apostles, it's, it's like he speaks to us as well, giving them authority to go into all the world, to be an extension of that authority. The reason that he talks to them is giving them the ability to go out and bear his authority. You might not know it, but you actually bear Christ's authority. You can't escape that fact. And so you either bear his authority well, or you bear his authority poorly in the world. You're already in the world. You're already marked by Christ if you are a Christian. And so the question is, are you going to do this well, or are you going to do it poorly? Jesus tells us, tells us exactly what we ought to do. He doesn't give us this kind of mushy, shapeless love to take out into the world, right? He doesn't give us a love that just kind of, just whatever feels good, that's what you want to accomplish. Whatever people want from you, that's what you want to accomplish. No, he gives us signposts that we should base ourselves around. It's making disciples of all nations. It's baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And finally, it's teaching them to observe everything that he commanded us. Discipleship, baptism, 
and teaching obedience. What is Jesus saying in, in Trinitarian terms? He's calling them to enfold all the earth, all nations, all peoples. Enfold them into the overflowing love that flows between the Father and the Spirit. To take the speech, the language, the relationship, and to bring people into it. It's not about simply getting people to believe the right things. It's not about arguing people into submission. It's important, but that comes as they are being discipled, as their hearts become submitted to Christ as Lord, a desire to actually believe and align our minds with the truth comes along with it. It's not about creating faithful attenders to church. That's important, but that comes as we are hungry to obey Christ. That comes as we follow the teaching to actually come after Christ's commands. And it's not even, believe it or not, about baptism, although that's explicitly commanded here that we should be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism itself is not the end. It's only the beginning. And so we've got to have ourselves, as we go out as emissaries of Christ's authority into the world, it's so important that we have these things clear. What are we really to be about? Calling that we are to be about is that we would bring the authority of Christ into the world. That we would have his authority emblazoned across our chests the way that Adam and Eve, those first humans, had the dominion of God emblazoned in their mission and purpose in the world, that they were to extend God's lordship in creation. Jesus is calling his disciples and his church to do exactly the same thing here. Extend his lordship, extend his authority so that all that is already his would see and understand that that's what it is. And so when we move into a situation where people are not submitted to Christ, what are we to do? I think what we need to do is just get people to take the next step. What's the next right thing for people to be doing? We've got to assess the situation. It may be that people have no interest in Christ at all. It may be that people have had terrible experiences with Christians or with the church, and so there needs to be transformation. There needs to be forgiveness. There needs to be confession. It may be that people are just simply flat uninterested, that Jesus has no purchase on their mind, that he's got no traction in their hearts. And so what we're to do is to be an example in our lives and in our words that brings people into that kind of interest. It may be that people need to become somebody who believes, somebody who assents, somebody who takes on the mantle of Christ's mission in the world. So then our purpose is to call people into that richness. Whatever the next step is for people, our lives ought to be an example of inviting people into that next point. Be a part of the next level of intensity, that local concrete expression of Christ's body in the world. To be a part of those people who have had the Spirit poured out on them at Pentecost and so are invaded by the Spirit, have invited others into the life of the Spirit and are inspired by the Spirit in this world.
Finally, it's teaching people to observe everything that he's commanded us. We are here to demonstrate the ways that the fullness of Christ's commands can be grasped and lived in this world. And the principal command, love God, love your neighbor. There's no way around it. You do both. Hopefully it's clear that this love that pours forth from the Father and the Son is embodied. It's not just a kind of wispy, out there love that doesn't have any real practical implications for our physical lived lives. With all the complications that go into living in this world and all these difficult times, it's tough to know what to believe and whose side to be on. Or maybe it's just really easy to know whose side to be on, but it's hard to actually do it. It means as we move through this world with the mission and the authority of Christ that we've got to deal with the wounds of hurting people. That we have to deal with the hopes that have been dashed. We have to deal with communities that have been broken. And we have to take those difficult questions and lift them up and know that even though the answer is not clear to us yet, we're not going to stop looking away from it. We're going to hang on to the mystery. We're going to hang on to the difficulty because it matters so much. Because we're so compelled by the love of Christ who did not leave us alone that we won't leave the world alone. We're so compelled by the truth of Jesus Christ and the power that we're given in the spirit that we refuse to let the world drive itself into the ground without doing something about it. It can be so difficult to take that great commission life that we're to go out into all the world and, and to understand that the world is a complex place. And it's not only complex because there's sin and difficulty, it's, it's complex because there's people in the world that want to take us down. But like a boat floating on top of the water, we're only ourselves as we are sort of on top of the surface of the water and don't let that water get inside us. We can't be who we are as the church unless we are in the world, right? We're not called to leave it. We're not called to abandon it. But we're also not called to let it shape us and make us who we are. That's Christ's job. The world wants to take us. It wants to take everything and reduce it down to headlines and sound bites. But we've been called to so much more. We've been called to so much more. We are a people who don't let go of the mystery, who don't let go of the difficulty. We are a people of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And even though that might kind of boggle our minds, we know that it's in this confession, it's in this mystery, it's that we find God's glory. And so as we encounter all the difficulty and the mysteries of the world, where I hope that you're encouraged not to leave them alone. Because we're a people who don't leave the mystery and the difficulty alone. We hang on to it. We trust that God in his goodness will bring us through.
we are more than capable of accomplishing this, or rather, God is more than capable of accomplishing it in us. This good and mysterious work of redemption. Let's not look away, friends. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to us, your servants, grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal trinity and in the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith and in this worship and bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory, O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God forever and ever. Amen. As you come to this table with me this morning, Be bold not to look away from the mystery. The communion supper instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, having forsaken their sins and believed in Christ unto salvation, are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. We know that this is a difficult time. We've been separated from one another, and many of us have been separated from this table for almost three months now. My hope is that you've found the ability to still bring yourself to Christ, to still receive him into your heart spiritually, even if not sacramentally. That weekly you've been turning yourself toward him in prayer and worship and receiving him because he desires to pour himself out into you even though we're separated and not able to receive today. Holy God, we gather at this, your table, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who by your spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these your gifts. 
Make them by the power of the Spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood. By Your Spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, as our Father Christ has taught us, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The body and blood of our Lord, broken and shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Receive this in remembrance that Christ died for you. Be thankful. our Savior. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection and we will rise again. For I believe in the name of for worshiping with us today. Um, we have, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> um, we have a couple changes that are going to be coming up, but I'm, I'm excited about our, um, about our next six weeks. 
Uh, we're going to be going over, if you remember back to February, before all of this started, um, we, we spent some time talking about vision as a church, and we're going to spend the next week talking about the values that we expressed during that. So each of those sermons will be rooted around those six values that we say we believe as a church, and, and we just want to dig deeper into what they are, what they mean, and how we might live them out. Um, and so I hope that you will make the effort to join with us. I think it's going to be both an exciting and kind of an illuminating time as we um, come together to try to discover the identity that God is creating in and through us. Um, I hope that you have a great week. I hope that it is full of, of the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and so we just ask now we're going to let's receive this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Go in peace.